So we're still looking at the miracles of the Lord Jesus. Um, and this happens to be one of my favorite ones in this list. Okay, there's uh, a neat story that goes with it. Uh, and it's something that just recently I've watched several videos of people using this example uh, for proof of who Jesus is, the exact reason that Matthew wrote it. So when I ask Glenn, he's stepping in back there. Oh, hey, all right, Glenn, thank you, he's on the ball. Um, the, Jesus heals the uh, man sick of the palsy. Okay, that's what we're looking at this morning. Chapter 9, look at verse 1 if you would. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying in a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say to thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins, he saith to, uh, <clears throat> then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're going to be looking a little bit more into that. We've been looking at these miracles, Father, and, and amazed at the confirmation of the Old Testament that you promised us when Messiah came that this is the kind of things he would be able to accomplish for you. Lord, that uh, it was drawing multitudes and people's lives were being changed. But Father, there's such a clear message here, Lord, that exactly why Matthew was recording these miracles. So, Father, I pray you'd be with my mind, help it to think clearly and to share the things that you laid upon my heart so that uh, your Holy Spirit could teach us what we need to hear this morning. Lord, each one of us have different needs, have a different place and a different goal. But, Lord, all of us need to hone ourselves to be more like Jesus. This world is in desperate need of what we're going to be talking about here today. So, Father, help us to be ready to live this example out the best we possibly can. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, Jesus heals the sick of the palsy. So let's go on and uh, move on to some review real quick. Okay, chapters 8 through 10 are the miracles of Jesus. And again, Matthew chose these ones specifically. Last week, we looked very carefully at Matthew being very deliberate and just saying, hey, Jesus cast out some demons out of a couple of guys. Okay, and we saw Mark and Luke say, oh, wait a minute, this demon's name was Legion, and that was one guy who really responded, and he wanted to stay with Jesus, and he sat with Jesus, and he changed. Matthew's focus, 100%, was just 
Jesus has power over the demons. That was his point. He was just trying to impress to the Jewish people, this is what Messiah was promised he would do, and he's doing exactly what was promised. Luke and uh, Mark focused on the man's response to that. Well, we have the same sort of scenario this morning in the same passage, all right? Uh, keep going. <coughs> Excuse me. So we looked at the healing of the leper, healing of the centurion's son, or servant, excuse me, Peter's mother-in-law. We talked about Jesus having power over this whole universe. Peace, be still. Amen. He's got to calm the seas. He has the ability to have this entire creation obey his command. And then we talked about the power of source, uh, over the forces of hell. That the demon said, wait, 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 Jesus. Don't, don't, don't just send us away. It's not time for that yet. They have a scope of understanding that we don't understand. Jesus had the power over them, and they had to obey him. So, um, today, oh, we looked at this. Jesus, uh, I don't know about you, but all the stuff that's going in on our world right now and all the evil that we're seeing, I mean, just barbaric, terrible things accomplished. Um, it's not so hard to follow Jesus when you know he's got control over the whole universe and the powers of hell. If something is going on in our world, it is only because our God said, this is what needs to happen right now. There's nothing that he goes, oh my goodness, what's going on? He knows exactly what's happening. He's aware and very in control. Okay. So first of all, let's cover a few things. Jesus went to his own city. What city is that? Okay, he was born in... Bethlehem, right? He was known Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, but right now, just to give us some understanding to chase Jesus' life a little bit, where he is, he is actually living in Capernaum. Okay, so that's where you go. If you look at chapter 4, verse 13, I might have put it up there. Go ahead, Glenn, see if I get that. Yeah. Uh, look through for, uh, Matthew 13, 4, 13 and 15. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. Okay, which is upon the east coast and the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. Why did he do that? The rent was better? Okay. They had the proper ethnic food he wanted to be. You know, No, what does it say? Why did he move to Capernaum? Oh, go ahead, ben, go ahead and back one. That it might be fulfilled. Jesus was doing exactly what he needed to do to fulfill prophecy. Okay. Even where he decided to live. He didn't just, oh, you know what? It's a whole lot closer to drive from uh, Capernaum to Jerusalem. No, he did it because he was fulfilling Scripture over and over. Are we getting the clue? Jesus is always submissive to God's Word. Kind of a hint there, isn't it? <clears throat> For us, that's point number one. Okay. Uh, in Isaiah, you could read that one yourself. It's amazing to me. Just a hint how many times... In today's sermon, we see cross-references in books that are 9, chapter 1, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. We're reading Matthew, chapter 9, verse 1. We're looking at Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 1. Several other places in the Bible, it's chapter 9, verse 1. Now, I know those chapter divisions don't mean a whole lot, but sometimes I'm amazed. Like when you look up three sixteens in the Bible, and how many times God has made those important verses in the Scripture. Okay, so I mean, sometimes we look and go, why did God make the chapter break there? Dan's really good at that. Because again, some thoughts go better when you don't put the numbers on them. But at the same time, sometimes you, God uses those numbers and you go, 
huh, isn't it interesting that it all seems to be the same verses that you come to? Okay, keep going. This is the verse 15. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Okay, Isaiah prophesied that Messiah would go and go to the land of the Gentiles, and that's where he would start his ministry and be ministering. It fulfills exactly the word of God. So we already read this in Matthew, that Jesus relocates the Capernaum because it was fulfilling prophecy. So when it says he went over the, the, the sea, okay, Sea of Galilee, Tiberias, heals the guys with the demons, comes back, he's coming back to Capernaum. Are you with me? Okay, this, is not, this is not Jerusalem, this is not Bethlehem, this is not Nazareth. This is where he is carrying on his ministry to the Gentiles. All right, keep going. Miracle number six, the sick of the palsy. We know this story from Luke and Mark as the man born of four. How many of you know that story? Right? Jesus is in a house. There's such a press of people around, and I don't mean the press like uh, <clears throat> we got today, the press. Meaning it is so crowded that they can't get in there with, G with this fellow who's in this cot. Okay, so this man is with the palsy. Four of his friends are bringing him to Jesus because they want to see him get healed. Okay, and I think you guys know the story. They can't get to him, so they go up on the roof. Okay, and they disassemble the roof so that they can lower this guy in and drop him at Jesus' feet. Okay, notice we read all that in Matthew when we read this, didn't we? Not a word. Okay, all it says is in Matthew is when he saw their faith. Now, if you go read the other passages, let's go to uh, Luke here, look what it says. And behold, the men brought a man which was taken of palsy, and they sought the means to bring and lay him before him. Four men said, we got to get this guy to Jesus. Now, remember I told you point number one? <laughs> Here's point number two. What a goal. We know a lot of people in this world are messed up, don't we? I'm messed up. How about you? But I mean, we know the cure. Get them to Jesus. Right? There's a, whole, there's a whole sermon we could stop on if we were studying in Luke or Mark. That this, there were four fellows here that were doing anything they could to get him to Jesus. Guys, that is the focus. We'll be there in a minute uh, as we look at some personal application of this issue. But... I hope that that's one of the first things you think of. I try to make it one of the first things I think of. Not necessarily. Okay, if I'm in Walmart and there's some Karen in there, okay, sorry, I'm using one of these words nowadays, where it's some entitled, rude person uh, who's making a fuss, sometimes my first thought is, they need to be slapped. Now, don't lie, you've thought that before. I'm not the only one. But you know, the thought I really need to have is they need to be brought to Jesus. That's going to fix whatever our problems are. So anyway, we'll get there in a minute. But this is the same story. But notice, Matthew doesn't talk anything about those four fellows that brought him. Matthew doesn't talk about the roof being disassembled. Mar Matthew doesn't talk about what great effort went on to get this guy at Jesus' feet. Because that's not Matthew's focus. So again, just a great reminder that the, the uh, Gospels are written with different perspectives in mind. Jesus is, he, uh, Matthew, excuse me, is presenting to the Jews 
that Jesus is Messiah. The Jews don't care that some Galilean Gentiles made an effort to get this sick guy to Jesus. That makes no difference to a Jew. What does make a difference to a Jew is what Jesus does here. That's Matthew's focus. All right, keep going. Now, Mark says, and behold, when they, uh, the men brought the bed, uh, try that again, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy and sought by means they could bring him in to lay him before him. Both Luke and Mark are focusing on the efforts that these fellows made. Keep going. When the man, the sick man was brought in, Jesus deals with sin, not his sickness. You catch that? I, I mentioned this last week, and again, not to belittle some of the problems that we have in this world when it comes to sicknesses, whether they are physical, emotional, mental, but there are a lot of sicknesses that humans have qualified as sickness that are nothing but s just sin. Okay, well, you know, he has the sickness of pedophilia. No, it's a sin. Keep going. Any, any others? You know, we want to talk about they have a disease, a proclivity to, they, you know, oh, uh, they're just, uh, you know, they have a, a missing uh, a hormone in their body that causes, no, it's sin. Because most of the time, folks, probably 95% of the time, people have a choice on whether they're going to do it or not. There's not a whole lot of people who do things without choosing to do them. Yes? including you and me. Oh, it, oh I, I'm sorry. It, it, it just happens. We had a lady at our other church that people didn't like to approach because her response was, well, I grew up in New York. That's just how I am. No, that's how you choose to be. Okay? Jesus sees this fella laying there sick of the palsy and he addresses sin not his sickness and guys that is so number one they did everything they could to bring this guy to jesus and jesus wants to deal instantly with his sin point number three that's important you and i are out in this world and you know what we might run into people who have a lot of ideas contrary to us a lot of ideas contrary to the word of god a lot of things in their lives a lot of behaviors a lot of beliefs a lot of Deal with sin. Because until somebody meets Jesus and gets their sin problem taken care of, none of the rest of the things are going to get taken care of. I guarantee you. Because Jesus wants to change somebody from the inside out. Deal with sin. If you're going to make an effort to get somebody to Jesus, the effort needs to be because their sins need to be taken care of. Just like mine did, just like yours did. Just like mine still does. Okay? Notice, all sickness is a result of sin. Not sins. Now, I want to take a minute about this. Very deep doctrinal, not deep in understanding, but foundational doctrine of our entire world. Do you know why mosquitoes bite and bees sting? Do you know why we have hunger pains and when I stub my toe at night it hurts? You know why there's cancer. You know why there's bad back and eyeglasses. Because this entire creation is corrupted by sin. Sin is the issue. 
Okay? Now, this is um, important that we understand this. Not every sickness is a result of sins that a person commits. But every problem in this world is a result of sin in this fallen creation. And this is very important. If you said to me, I have never in my entire life committed one sin, so I don't need to be forgiven. Even if that were possible, now hang with me, even if somebody actually could live an absolutely sinless life, they still need to be forgiven because we live in a world of sin. It is not about the fact on what you and I do and the level of it. Well, I'm not a murderer, and we're going to see that in a minute as the scribes stand up and present themselves as better than everybody else. We need a Savior because this entire creation has fallen in sin. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. My good works outweigh my bad works. It doesn't matter. The fact that you and I are living in a body that is dying is proof that this world is cursed by sin. So this guy at a palsy shows up, and Jesus said, oh, you, you're crippled and everything because you're a sinner, you lousy sinner. i got to deal with your sin. That is not the issue. Jesus knows the first and foremost thing that needs to be fixed on a person is sin, not just sins. You with me? All right, if you're not, if you're not quite getting that, Come talk to me later the difference between sin and individual sins that we commit. We are all, unfortunately, tainted with sin as a whole. No matter whether or not we commit sins. Okay? Jesus says sin, so that's what this is about, right? Man has a fallen nature, sinful nature. Sickness was never a part of God's original plan. If Adam and Eve never fell in sin, we'd all be happily living in the garden in perfect bodies with no problems whatsoever. Wow. And you think, how great that is. That's what's coming. We're going to be back to that someday when we go to heaven. Amen? All right, but there's a difference between sins, plural. Go ahead, Glenn, next one. Sins are individual offenses that everyone commits. Okay, this is not something that always results in sickness. Sick, sick. That's supposed to be sicknesses. I don't know what sickens is. Okay? That's all right. I'm inventing them as I go. Caleb and I were having a conversation about that. We're making up words, right? So if anybody claims I'm perfect, just read one Sunday's worth of PowerPoint slides and they'll remind you that I'm not. Okay. Okay, not all. Because you know what? If sin, individual sins that we commit, made us sick, we'd all be sick all the time. Because how many of you are going to sin today? How many sinned yesterday? Or the day before? The day before that? We always, always are falling in sin, so we would always be terrible sick. If that's the excuse here, wouldn't we all be laying on a cot with palsy? But we're not. Because sin's individual God is not that kind of God. <gasps> you lied. Bam! You got cancer. That's not our God. Okay? But... However, Jesus can forgive sin and sins. Isn't that awesome? 
He can take our sin problem because we are human beings and in fallen creation and we are sinners by nature. He can forgive that and he can forgive every individual sin. Some of us have racked up quite a load of them, haven't we? Isn't it awesome that Jesus can take care of all that? I love that. So whether it's sins in general, the whole creation of sin, or my individual problems, Jesus has got it covered. We can stop right there. Give an invitation. How awesome that is, but we ain't done. Okay, keep going. John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. Notice this, and this is just another cross-reference to remind us about individuals' behavior is not why we have physical sicknesses. Okay? Sometime, maybe, but that's not the general rule. Okay? And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who sinned his parents, or this man to his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. They said, oh, this guy's blind. Somebody must have sinned, and that's why. And Jesus said, no. He's blind so that he can be healed from his blindness. How many times we looked at the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul says, listen, I got this problem. It's a thorn in my flesh. It's, a, it's definitely a problem. It's a messenger of Satan. Lord, can't you get rid of it, please? And what did God say? My grace is sufficient for thee. That sometimes we have problems in our bodies so that God will be glorified in our problem. Why did this guy was sick of the palsy? Because he's just about to get up and walk. How awesome is that? But I just want you to remember, not all sickness is a result of sin. However, according to, to the verses we read when we take the Lord's Supper, God says, uh, be careful when you take the Lord's Supper. Because if you don't take it worthily, some of you are weak and sickly among you, and some of you sleep. So there are sometimes that there are consequences to our behavior, but that's not the general rule. You know, <laughs> I, I gossiped about my neighbor. <laughs> there goes a finger. Ah! Okay, God doesn't work that way. He's not upstairs, this big guy with a sledgehammer waiting to pop us, not one of these gods that we see in the movies these days that got a lightning bolt ready to zap you just when you do something wrong god has a plan for everything and he said this guy was blind just so that he could glorify god mm. okay keep going the scribes accused jesus of blasphemy this is my favorite the reason that this is my favorite one of my favorite miracles listed here by matthew why did they accuse him? Because nobody on earth can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Now catch that. And this is where I said, I've watched several videos recently of people defending. And they say, Jesus never said in the Bible that he was God. Jesus never claimed that once. Yes, he did. There are several times he said it. I and my Father are one. Okay? He said... There are several instances. This one I love because it is a truth that we find out all through God's word that only God can forgive sin. I can't forgive sin, and contrary to thousands of people that go to specific uh, churches every week, you can't go to a man 
and sit on the other side of a little window and he can absolve you of your sin. There is only one that can forgive sin and that's God. I'm sorry if you have relatives or family members who think they can go to a priest and that priest is capable of taking your sins away. There is only one. That's Jesus. And they knew it. That's the best part. Jesus could have made this claim, but you know what solidifies it? When the Jews say, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. They knew that there was only one person in all of Scripture, everything that we understand about God, that could forgive sin. How dare Jesus claim to forgive sin? That is only something that God can do. Jesus, right here, without a shadow of a doubt, without one iota of question is claiming that he is god because he's forgiving sin if anybody says to you there is never a time where jesus presents himself as god this is one of the biggest times jesus is god because he is the one who is offering forgiveness of the sin you with me so they're irked they're beyond irked There are a couple other occasions where they do that and the people around him are instantly ready to stone him because he claimed to be God. All right? That was the point. Jesus is God. Keep going. Jesus is making a deliberate point to the Jews. They knew that only God could forgive sins. Jesus was presenting himself as Messiah. And back to why Matthew focuses on this and the other two Gospels Want to talk about the four men who came? Because Matthew's point in the whole reason he wrote this gospel is to tell the Jews that Messiah has come. He is Messiah because he can forgive sins. Okay? The scribes knew it. This one gets me. Remember, we we talk about scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. When the Bible mentions scribes, these were the Bible-believing, fundamental, die-for-the-scripture type of people. They knew the book backwards and frontwards. These guys knew exactly what this meant when Jesus said it. They weren't just running the mill believers going, oh, you know, I've read the scripture once or twice. You know, maybe that's true. These guys were the absolute top of the hill when it comes to understanding the prophecies in the scripture. And when he said, thy sins be forgiven, they knew exactly what that meant. So they, the fundamentalists, oh, no, you can't claim to be God. They knew exactly what this meant. Keep going. Remember, Matthew doesn't even mention those four men brought. Matthew's focus is that Jesus is Messiah, the Christ. Keep going, Glenn. Jesus knew their thoughts. Did you catch that? And while they were thinking this, Jesus said, I know the thoughts of your heart. Why are you thinking evil? Right? Go back and look at it if you want. He says, um, why think ye evil in your hearts? Now, I get that. Hang on for a minute. And this is a reality. You You ever hear somebody ask, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? This answers that question. 
if Jesus is not Messiah, you don't think he can forgive sins. It is qualified as evil. So someone who doesn't believe as Jesus is Messiah is evil. That is why. Okay, now there's a whole lot of other teaching behind this, but don't mess that go by. Jesus is going, wow, you guys who know the scripture, you know that only God can forgive sins. It is evil for you to think that I'm not God. So anybody who has not received Jesus Christ as Savior is performing evil. Okay, interesting thought. Okay, just looking at it clearly, right? So Jesus presents an option. One of two things, right? So which is easier? Me forgiving sins or me healing this guy and telling him to get up and walk? And without even them giving an answer, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to make this guy walk. Now I'll tell you, there must have been some pretty cool days to be there. This must have been one of them. Watching this guy. Now some of you remember Bobby Wilmot. Love him, but he, you, we, we know how, what it was like to watch him function in that body where it was deformed. Imagine if all of a sudden, broop, he just straightened up, stood up, and walked out. Man, that would have been something awesome. That, all the miracles that Jesus has been doing, you know he's been healing and for all these people that are coming to him. Pharisees didn't have a problem with that. Scribes didn't have a problem with that. Heal as much as you want, Jesus. We love the show. But don't claim to be God. That's too much. Okay? No, notice the scribes weren't capable of doing either one. And that's the point, right? Matthew's saying, uh, hello, Old Testament said, guy, guy who shows up doing all this healing, guy who shows up forgiving sins, that's God, that's Messiah. Keep going. All right, the theme, the main thought, verse 6. So this whole thing, I love it. Jesus says, all right, I guess I'll heal him too. I've already forgiven of his sins, but you know what? If it's easier, if it proves my point, if I heal him, look at what verse 6 says. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. That is why this is such an awesome miracle. Because Jesus is not just saying, oh, I want to fulfill the Old Testament. I want to show you that I'm here to, to meet the criteria of the Messiah when it comes to miracles. He says, I want you to know that I have the power to forgive sins here on this earth. That's what this miracle is about. And again, uh, we put it up here just quick. That son of man is a completely Jewish title. Back then, if you'd have said the son of man to a Gentile, I wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about. Okay, and those of us who got, just got do, done studying Daniel, Daniel loved that phrase, but even more than that, go ahead. Uh, Daniel talks about this, that the, okay, the Son of Man came into the Ancient of Days and the prophecy that's coming, that God the Father and God the Son there. But even Ezekiel uses this phrase for Christ 93 times. Okay, to a Jew, when Jesus said, the Son of Man has come, he just said, I am Messiah. I am God. There's no question. So again, I'm getting, I've got to put the hair down on the back of my neck. Because this is, gives me goosebumps. And somebody said, Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, yes, he did. Okay, and this is one of those amazing passages. So not only does he forgive sins on this earth, he says, the Son of Man has come. I am Messiah. I am the one that the Old Testament prophecies has talked about. Okay, keep going, Glenn. Imagine hearing this as a Jew. 
Now, this is why they get so taken. Imagine if you and I were Jews. What this meant. One of two things. And it, boy, isn't this exactly what the choice is of every single person on earth? Uh, heard it presented by a lot of different preachers with this idea that everyone has to make a choice about Jesus. Either he is who he says he is, or he's not. They already knew. They understood the Old Testament. They had to make a choice. Is this guy really the fulfillment of the prophecies like the God, Word of God says? Or am I going to reject him? It's not where you attend church. It's not how much money you give to charity. It's not whether you read your Bible and spend hours and hours in prayer. It is what is your opinion of Jesus? Is he Messiah, the Christ, or not? That's the question that every person has to ask. Okay? The multitude responds... We've never seen anything like this before. Hello? That's the point. Thousands of years of prophecy, and they say, this is amazing. Nobody has ever done this before. He is Messiah. That's the point, okay? Jesus says, I came, Son of Man, come. So you would see this. The end of verse 6 again says, then he saith to the sick of a palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go to thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. Jesus says, Okay, if uh, making him walk makes a better impression on you guys, healed. You may keep going. This man was born of four. Now, I'm just touching base on this because I like the story. <laughs> you can go read it yourself later. Uh, Mark chapter 5 says, And we Jesus saw their faith. He said to the one sick of palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee. I don't know how to take this. I know this is pre-cross. This is before Jesus died and rose again. But Jesus' offer of forgiveness to this guy doesn't say anything about the guy's of with the palsy, his faith, does it? Jesus only saw their faith. Now, maybe this their faith includes the guy laying in the bed, but they dropped this guy at Jesus' feet, and Jesus, it says, when he saw their faith. You ever think, um, when we go to talk to people about Jesus, and, you know, we got to gin up their faith and make them understand and make them... Maybe God's approaching this, looking at our faith in this situation too, huh? That we're going and telling people about the Lord, and uh, I don't know about you, I'm human. You ever skeptical? Don't you lie, yes you are. You start telling somebody about Jesus, and you're like, ah, they're never going to believe this. I look at them, they, they, there's nothing. Here it says Jesus saw their faith. Maybe it was all five of them. Maybe it was just the guys that brought him. And Jesus offers forgiveness to his sins because of their faith. Hmm. Makes you think, doesn't it? Did their faith have something to do with his conversion, his healing? Or maybe it's just because our testimony is that important. They had such an amazing faith that this fella who is watching these guys make this effort to get to, this is so important, listen, 
I know what'll fix this. Get to Jesus. And this guy's watching it going, you know what? This is where they say the cure is. I'm all in. I don't know. I just find it interesting. When Jesus doesn't, it doesn't say when Jesus saw his faith. It says when Jesus saw their faith. Something interesting to think about, isn't it? I don't know the answer. I really don't. I just know there was more people's faith involved in this than just the fellow who got his sins forgiven. Interesting. Okay. A um, couple things we can see about this. Just want to cover them because it's a great little message inside a message. Keep going, Glenn. Jesus saw their faith. Faith is something that can be seen. It's not just a feeling or a force. Okay, you ever, uh, we're gonna, I'm not going to do it because the verse is up there. I'm jumping ahead of myself. It is something that is evident, right? Faith is a proper response to God's word. As a matter of fact, isn't everything a proper response to God's word? God says, in everything, give thanks. Doesn't mean I have to feel thankful. It's I give thanks because it's the proper response. I'm going to love my enemy, not because they're so lovable, but because it's the proper response. Faith is the same way. It's not just, oh, I just feel such a warm feeling just rush over my body. And I knew I had faith. You probably had too much coffee that morning. Faith is not an emotional response. Faith is a response in regards to the truth of God's word. You believe him, you trust him, so you act a certain way. Keep going. Romans, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? So without the word and responding to it, is there really faith? It's the proper response to what God's word says. That's what faith is. It's, oh, I just, today I'm weak in faith. I just gotta, I gotta get more faith today. I gotta convince my heart and my mind. I gotta get ginned up emotionally so I can convince myself I have faith. No, faith is based upon believing the word of God and responding properly to it. Hebrews says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now you guys know, I am this kind of guy. I, I don't have to explain it to you. You know me for a long years. I like substance and evidence. News stories comes out. I don't listen. Don't give me your opinion. Give me the evidence. Show me the facts. Isn't it interesting that God defines faith as fact and evidence? Not just, oh, I just feel it. Faith is not about feeling. You want to know how people who have in the deepest tragedy and sorrow and heartbreak of their lives can stand in faith? Because it's not about feeling. It's about truth and evidence. It's about fact. It's about the word of God. I don't have to feel. That's why I love that verse that says, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. My heart will condemn me. God never does because evidence and fact. Keep going. Jeremiah, oh, excuse me, I can read that word. James, how many times have you said this? Faith without works is dead. Faith is you doing what you know is right because of the word of God. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe that and I'm going to go the rest of my life not changing a single thing. That's not faith. 
Faith is evidence. Faith is substance. If you're a person of faith, it's going to evidence out. You're going to see it. Okay? Jesus said, I saw their faith. They broke the roof down. They knew in their heart so deeply that if they could just get this guy to me, something would be different. That's the faith that they saw. Not, oh, look, they just love him so much. No. They made the absolute effort to get the guy there because they knew. Remember uh, when Jesus, we talked about the centurion's servant? And the uh, centurion's like, <laughs> Jesus is like, all right, I'll come to your house right away. And he says, no, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. And I know he's healed. Because I, I, I know what authority is like. And Jesus looks at him and says, and looks at the Jews around, and he says, I haven't found faith like that in all of Israel. It wasn't a feeling. It was... All you have to do, Jesus, is say it, and I know it's true. That is what faith is. It's evidence. It's substance. It's real. It's not just gushy emotions. All right? It is not a blind leap. It is always shown with a real response. Faith is visible. That is why when we look at one another's lives and say, well, that person says he asked Jesus into his heart, but I haven't seen a single thing in his life to prove that. Because faith is visible. It is something you see. It is something, a response to what God's word has said. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. All right, keep going. So that was that little thing there. Um, so we get on. Jesus heals. He proves he's God again by the Old Testament. Now, I wanted to cover this too. Uh, this also contains the calling of Matthew and the arrogance of the religious leadership. Look at verse 9. And Jesus passed forth from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at receipt of, receipt of customs, and saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. The guy who wrote this book, Matthew, he gives himself one verse. Jesus walks by after this, sees me sitting at the table, says, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. He's really bragging on himself, isn't he? Okay, look at verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But Jesus, uh, but when Jesus heard it, that he saith unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick but go ye and learn what it meaneth, and I will, have, uh, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners unto repentance. So calling a Matthew, just to understand who Matthew was, Matthew was a tax collector. He wasn't liked by anybody. Okay, back in those days, he was a Jew who worked for the Romans to collect taxes from his own people. So the Romans despised him because he was Jewish, and the Jews despised him because he was working for the Romans. Not a pleasant job. You think the guy who uh, our taxes were ex are, are exciting now? They weren't that good either back then. Okay, that's just who Matthew was, just a little background on it. He was not welcome either place, but God, Jesus still says, follow me. And, and he introduces this subject that the folks that Jesus began to hang out with weren't the religious crowd. Publicans and sinners. Keep going. The problem here was pride. 
You, why is your master eating with publicans and sinners? How dare you hang out with these scum of the earth? We, the religious leaders of the Jewish people, shouldn't you be coming and hobnobbing with us? Jesus was with publicans and sinners. They thought that they were better. They didn't consider themselves sinners. That's probably why they didn't recognize Jesus when he came, because they didn't need him. You know who wound up flocking to Jesus? Those who needed Jesus. Those who had themselves all set up, thought themselves to be righteous, didn't care. How many times have we said when we're leading someone to the Lord, the first thing you need to do is get them lost before you can get them saved? Until they realize they have a problem, what do they need to cure for? And we say that jokingly, but Jesus makes the illustration here about a doctor. Unless you're sick, you don't go to the doctor. Right? I mean, some of us do. Is that Munchausen by proxy and all these people love to just go to doctors because they get attention? But that's Jesus' point. Listen, you're sick. You need a physician. Okay? Keep going. Just a side note on here. Don't anybody take offense if you know anybody who's like this. But there are some Christians who say, you shouldn't go to a doctor. Oh, you're a Christian now. You have Jesus. You don't need a doctor. Jesus said himself, if you're sick, go to a doctor. Now, why would my Savior, who never made a mistake, who doesn't lie, who doesn't ever get bad advice, or never goes contrary to his own truth, say, if you're sick, you need a physician? If you don't need a physician. Okay? God never once, get this in your mind, God never once uses a falsehood to illustrate a truth. He always uses a truth to illustrate a truth. He wouldn't make up a lie just to get you to understand the truth. He always speaks truth. Now, before you get crazy, there are some people, well, you know, they go holistic medicine. That's okay. I'm not telling you you need to go to a doctor who pumps out chemicals every day. But there are people on this earth that if you're sick, God put them here to help you. Don't be afraid. There are certain folks who won't go to a doctor's office. And I don't care what the doctor is, whether it's a chiropractor, whether it's holistic, whether it's regular medicine, whether it's acupuncture, I don't care. God says he put people on this earth with understanding to help us. If you're sick, go to a physician. God uses that truth to illustrate the truth that if you have a sin sickness, you got to go to a doctor. So Jesus makes the comparison. If you think you're righteous, if you think you're all set, you don't think you're sick, then you don't need a doctor. But publicans and sinners, they know they have a problem. They know they have a need. That's why they're here. And that's why I'm with them. Because those who know they're sick and know they need a healing, they've come to the right place to get their sins forgiven. With me? All right, you see in that scripture, I'm not the only one, I'm not making it up, right? Okay. James, I love this. Everything, every good and perfect gift is from above. I watch these cool things about electromagnets and how they can make little hovercrafts with them and craps and uh, hovercrafts. <laughs> okay, you freeze a magnet and it becomes, you know, and they get, oh, it's such cool stuff. And I just go, God, your creation is amazing. Because every good and perfect gift, everything you and I can discover about this world is only because we're remembering how awesome God made it. 
You know, we don't go, go oh, look, we get, made some uh, ground roads into cancer research. Yeah, because God created this universe, and the more we understand it, the better we get at it. It's all from God, guys. All of it. Okay. The knowledge that doctors have seen or been given is given to them by God. That's why we have all, every good and perfect gift. Okay. That's the little commercial in there. Last little bit. Go ahead, Glenn. God can heal in many ways. And again, this is an important thing to keep us. We're, we're hitting a lot of points here this morning in this passage. God can heal you in a miraculous way, right? Man, we love to see that. When, you know, I love when the person goes, well, you know, my mother-in-law had this problem. Your pancreas is acting up. She's in the hospital. They had to remove her gallbladder the whole nine yards, and we're worried about your pancreas. So they sent her home, come back in a week and a half, and the doctor says, I don't see any problem with your pancreas. Whatever was wrong with her pancreas, God fixed it. Love that. But you know what? Sometimes a doctor will fix it. Sometimes you have a surgery. Sometimes you get treated with medicine. That's a way God can heal. Sick need a physician. But you know what? And this is the part we need to remember always. The ultimate healing is going home to be with the Lord. It's not something we should be hesitant about. Some, one day, I'm going to give up this old clunker. I don't know about you. When I got mine from the factory, it was a lemon. Okay, this body is not what God originally designed it for. It's a mess. Okay, I've got to have it in the shop more often than not anymore. Someday, I'm trading it in for a brand new model that's perfect. That's the ultimate healing. Going to heaven. It's not a unfortunate circumstance. It is the perfect circumstance. When God is finally done with me on this earth and I have no longer a reason to stay here, I'm trading in the old model. And I get the ultimate healing. Amen. Glenn. Jesus says one little extra thing at the back end here. And Dan hit this one. The, there's a verse he read this morning, one that's famous in Christianity. Look at what Jesus says at the last verse in verse 13. So he's telling them all this stuff, talking to scribes, talking to Pharisees, talking about these guys who know the word of God, supposedly. They knew it, but they weren't listening. They weren't doing their mental research. Look what Jesus says. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. You know what he says? Study to show thyself. Go search diligently. You think you know. And we were covering this in Sunday school, covering it right now. There's a lot of people in this world who think they have an understanding religiously of their religion, of what God wants. You know what he wants? He wants people who are going to be diligently working at this. It is not something. And this, guys, I love you. And we've had this conversation before. I don't have a problem with it on the surface, but there's more to it than this. People will say, well, I got this Bible because it's easier to read. My God didn't say, go find something easy to read. He said, work at it, study. He said, Jesus is quoting Old Testament scripture, fulfilling Old Testament scripture to the religious crowd. And he says, go back and read. Go study this out. You guys are not getting it. Jesus says, you want to understand this? Go back and research it. 
You with me? What does it say? But go ye and learn what that meaneth. He says, plug your brains in for a minute. I love the fact, when the Dan this morning, if you were here, covered it. Studying doesn't just mean bookworms. It means be diligent with your faith. It's not something that we go, oh, yeah, sure, Sunday morning was great. You know, I'll just wait till next Sunday and I can get my little nugget of truth. No, you and I need to be diligently working at it, and that's what Jesus plugs in here. The Word of God teaches us that people need to realize that they're, they're sinners, did it again, and they need forgiveness. It is then that God can bring them to repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ. The last part of the verse, go study, and then what does he say? I am not come to call righteous, but sinners unto repentance. There are people in this world who think they got themselves all set. And maybe somebody in this room. I don't know where your heart is. If you've walked day by day thinking, you know, I've, I've done this Christian thing my whole life. I'm all set because I know what the Bible says. And, and I'm a Pharisee. I'm a scribe. I've got all the boxes checked. Or is there a point in your life you realized that you're not righteous, you're a sinner. And you needed that physician. You know that Jesus Christ is the only one that can take care of our sin problems. That's why, guys, we're famous for reminding one another that we're sinners. If it wasn't for the fact that Jesus Christ came to take care of my sin problem, I, I would be an absolute disaster. There are too many people walking around in this world thinking they're righteous and not reaching out to Christ for an answer because they think they're all set. None of us without him are set with God. So maybe, just maybe, and the only reason I say this sometimes is because we have had folks sit in this very church. We have had folks have leadership positions in this church titles officially and come later on and say you know what i really never did ask jesus to be my savior i was just walking the wall i was just pretending saying all the right things and deep in their heart they knew they never truly reached out to christ never really admitted that they were a sinner and without him they were hopeless that's why when the, my bible says go and preach the gospel to every creature and when you share the gospel with me and I share it with you, it's just great to double check that all of us have realized we are nothing without him. I thank the Lord that he is one who can forgive sin and sins. I thank the Lord that at one point I realized I have a sin problem. I'm sick and I need my Jesus to come cure me. And is it easier for him to forgive sins? Or say, rise up and walk. Well, Jesus did them both. Amen? So we had a couple of good thoughts today, but we're going to head into the world. And our number one job in our faith in Christ is to bring others to Jesus. That's what's going to fix them. Nothing else. He is the one that can deal with sin. 
And these four guys did everything they could to get him there. You and I are going to go out this week and you might have to drag somebody and bust the roof open to get him to Jesus. But that's what we need to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Man, a lot of stuff here. Every time we open your word, there's so much. Father, Jesus, without a question, claims, displays, evidences that he is God. He is Messiah, the Son of Man, the one who came to earth to forgive sins. There's no question who Jesus is. And Father, it was so important that these men brought this man who was sick, did everything they could to get him to Jesus. And then when Jesus saw his physical sickness, Lord, his first thought was not, let me fix his body, but let me forgive his sins. Father, I just pray that uh, each and every one of us, we look back in our lives, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and know we had to come to that place. And Lord, there are people around us every day who are struggling in this life. They're sick, and they're trying to find any other thing to fix it. But Lord, the great physician is here to take care of our sin problem. If they can get that thing fixed, the rest of the things will just fall into place. So Father, help us to go out there and share. Might have to, might be difficult, might be an effort to get them to Jesus. But that is the only hope for this world. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old cathedral song called Raise the Roof Off This Place. And uh, it might seem like you're thinking about raise the roof, like whoop, whoop, like, you know, it's a hoot and a hollering. But the verses talk about these guys who took the roof apart because it was that important for them to get to Jesus. Not just raising the roof like let's have a hoot and a holler, but raise the roof because there's nothing going to stop us from bringing people to the Lord. Amen? Go out this week. Maybe, just maybe, you're going to find somebody who's ready for a physician. Amen? Love you. See you next time or Wednesday, whichever it is.